I'm Kendra Scott, CEO and founder of Kendra Scott LLC. I started my company 18 years ago out of the extra bedroom of my house with $500. Unbelievably, today we are valued at over a billion dollars and we'll be opening my 100th store in Boston. You have a short time on this earth and you never know how quickly it can be taken from you. And so you have to make every day count and not be scared to do things. And you may fail, um, but you have to give it a go. This is Secrets of Wealthy Women from the Wall Street Journal, helping women empower themselves financially. Now, Veronica Dagger. Kendra Scott is a jewelry designer to the stars and lifelong entrepreneur. The founder of her own jewelry line, she discusses what it takes to see a business thrive in the demanding lifestyle and beauty industry. So, Kendra, you had an entrepreneurial streak even as a kid. So can you tell us about that? You know, I, I have always had it inside of me. And I, and I think it's funny because I'm sure there are people listening to this that have felt like they had this kind of fire in them to do something. Um, I would, you know, hand make clothes and wear them. And then my friends wanted them. So I started making, you know, the splatter paint. I don't know if you remember yes. that. I did splatter paint T-shirts cool. um, in like, you know, elementary and middle school. I was, you know, always interested in commerce. I watched my mother, who was a Mary Kay consultant. She became a director. I watched her build a business out of our home. My father was what he says is a country lawyer, but, you know, he took on every case that he could get that came in through the door. He, you know, he had hung his own sign. He didn't work for a law firm. So he had to kind of build his business. So I was really inspired by two parents who really were making it on their own and I think instilled that in me. And, I, you know, I loved it and I loved being a part of that. You're a college dropout, like so many really successful entrepreneurs. So I'm just wondering, what's up with that? You know, it's funny because uh, you know my father was, you know, he went, to, he was like the first one in his in his family to go to college and go to law school. So school is very important to our family. All of my sisters, obviously, you know, went to college. So it was a given that that was going to be my path. Um, unfortunately, sometimes life uh, brings you twists and turns that aren't anticipated. My stepfather was diagnosed with brain cancer when I was in high school. And I think life for me changed. And I think it changed for everyone in our family. And sometimes the things that you think are going to happen, you know, when, when things like this happen in your family, everything, it affects everyone. And the most important thing to me during that time of my life was being near him and helping my mom. and. Um, not that I didn't want to go to school. It really was that life took over. And I thought, you know, school will always be there, but I may not have this time with my family right now that was so critically important. So after my first year, I was planning to just take a year off and, and then go back to school. Uh, but I ended up starting a business at 19 and I started selling hats and it came from my stepfather's diagnosis. I met so many women that were experiencing hair loss through going through chemotherapy. It really inspired me to start something that I felt like there was a void out there for women who needed this. And so that is kind of the, it just overnight was like, here we go, we're starting a hat company. Uh, and fortunately, my family was 100% supportive. And, you know, again, the idea wasn't that I wasn't going to go back. It was always an option. But as things turned on, I ended up having that business for five years. And um, it really became my education, uh, that little hat store. Did you feel like, I want to talk about the hat store in a, a sec, a little bit more, but did you feel that, you know, I know enough, like college isn't necessary at this point, or it might even get in the way of my creativity. 
You know, I think I always kind of felt like in a classroom, I w- I'm, I'm not going to lie, I'm probably a little ADD. I don't think I've ever been officially diagnosed, but I had trouble concentrating in school. I wanted to do things. I was a doer. Um, and I wanted to solve problems that were out there. And I think the format of school was tough for me at times. Um, I enjoyed it, but it was still hard. And I did feel like, do I really need to be learning about what happened in 1650 right now? Um, I want to talk, think about what I'm going to do you know, next year. And I was always kind of that, like thinking forward. Um, and so sometimes that made it tough to be in school. I never by any means thought I knew everything. Um, I think probably quite the opposite. I think I was quite intimidated, but I wasn't afraid. And I think sometimes when, you know, when I was looking at Rob, my stepfather, and his battle against brain cancer, and, you know, he was a two-tour Vietnam vet. He was the bravest person I met. And he really instilled in me that you have a short time on this earth, and you never know how quickly it could be taken from you. And so you have to be, you have to make every day count and not be scared to do things. And you may fail, um, but you have to give it a go. And he also made a huge impression on me that while you're here, you have to do something good. And I think everything in my life, um, I look back on those, those days and years, fortunately, we had with Rob while he was in that battle. My whole life changed because of it. And I think I became more um, risk adverse. I think I was like, you know what, I got to do it. And if it's going to happen, I need to do it today. And it really did change my thinking quite a bit. So tell us more about that hat business and what your thinking was behind it, a little bit more about the business model, and why didn't it work out? Well, you know, it's funny because I look back on that business, and, you know, I had these grand visions that we were going to open hundreds of hat stores, and people were going to be wearing hats again like it was 1940. I was going to somehow single-handedly get the hat trend back in, <laughs> and back in business. But, you know, it was... For me, I wanted to do something good, and I had loved fashion since I was a little girl. My aunt was a fashion director. I grew up in Wisconsin. She worked at Gimbel's department store as the fashion director, and she gave me the fashion bug of, like, loving it. So I thought, well, you know, I could do this. I love fashion, and if I can do something good, which is what Rob really had instilled in me, then that could be success. And so that's really what kind of instilled kind of getting the hat box going. Um, But it was hard. So I realized I couldn't just sell hats for women undergoing chemotherapy to have a business. I had to sell every hat. So if you needed a wedding hat, I was your girl. If you needed me to make you a Kentucky Derby hat, I had hat forms. I learned from other milliners how to make hats. I would go and take classes. Um, I literally, I mean, fishing hats, jester hats. I mean, you name it, I had the hat. Um, And then this is in the 90s, right? So late 90s, mid-ish 90s. Uh, where this new thing was happening called the internet. It was really exciting. And I had a local friend, a friend in Austin who created a website for me and I put my hats online and you know we were shipping a few a day. And again, the business, you know, I would be happy if I sold five hats a day. Um, but I was working seven days a week. I was barely able to pay rent. Um, I really couldn't have very much staff because I couldn't afford it. And I really learned how hard retail is. Um, I, you know, it really was the school of hard knocks for me. I mean, understanding how to make payroll, make rent, really understanding how margins worked in business. Um, I don't know if those things I could have been taught in a book at school. Uh, The same way, I guess the harsh reality way that I was during those five years in the hat box. Again, I realize even after closing that business after five years and, and the devastation of feeling like I had let everybody down, um, in retrospect, when I started Kendra Scott Jewelry, all those lessons, the good and the bad, led 
to being able to build a strong foundation for the company that I have today. How do you know when to close a business as an entrepreneur? When you can't pay your bills. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I, you know, it's it just got so hard. And, you know, when you're living on ramen noodles and um, and you're considering having to sell your car and move back in with your mother, those are all key signals that perhaps signal. your business is not working. And I think, you know, five years, I just, I tried so hard to make it go. I did not want it to fail. I didn't want to let my family down. Um, it was a really hard thing. It was a, an ego thing, too, because I had really, you know, you identify yourself so much sometimes with your business. But I think sometimes the greatest strength is in identifying when something isn't working um, and, and, and not being afraid to go, okay, this didn't work, um, but what lessons can I learn from this? And to be open that something great could be around the corner for you. How do you, do you deal with that feeling of embarrassment that you said you felt among family or friends or people you knew? You know, I think it's, um, <clears throat> I'm lucky because I have really great family and I have really, really close friendships. Um, you know, I have a group of girlfriends that we've been friends for over 20 years and, and many of them were with me during this time. And, you know, I was able to surround myself with people who believed in me even when I didn't believe in myself because it was a very, very difficult time. And I was very down when that happened. And I went and got a job and, uh, you know, and, and wasn't an entrepreneur for a while. I worked for a company. I worked for a magazine and a tra- they were a magazine and a travel company. So I sold advertising. I uh, created packages for honeymoon. It was honeymoons and wedding destination weddings and honeymoons. Um, I was doing sales on that side. I was doing all sorts of things um, for the magazine. But I had to go get a job um, after that and, you know, it wasn't a reality to just, now I couldn't just do something else. I had no money. I just lost my business. So I had to kind of start fresh again. And I think the key during that time was I just surrounded myself with good people. And the people who were, you know, I call them the negative Nancys of the world, um, I just devoided them in my life. You know, I really tried to surround myself with positivity. And I was really fortunate because I have parents who were like, honey, I know this is hard. But they were still, you know, I'm proud of you and something is going to happen for you and you're a go-getter. And this is just, you know, it's a it's a nick in, in the in the plan, but you're going to get through this. And I think having those kind of people who remind you that this is a moment in time. I tell my children that all the time. This is a moment in time. Um, and when you're going through something like that, just saying that to yourself, this is a moment in time and something great is around the corner, but you have to be open to it. And you can't let this failure be control your entire future. Um, you have to be able to put it behind you, take the lessons from it to be able to move forward in your life. And I think failure is incredibly important for everybody you experience. Um, I think that for me was, you know, just knowing that, okay, I'm gonna, I'm going to move forward and not let it weigh me down to where I could could walk ahead. And and again, I think when you experience loss in your life, those things are such big things that a loss of a business is bad, but it's nothing like losing a family member. And we were able to heal as a family from that. And if we could heal from that, we could get over anything. Coming up, Kendra Scott offers her advice on sustaining a viable business while keeping up with the latest trends. Join the Wall Street Journal at the Future of Everything Festival on May 21st to 23rd in New York City, where diverse global newsmakers share unique perspectives on navigating a changing world. 
immerse yourself in live performances, explore pioneering technologies, and indulge in the city's inventive culinary scene. As a podcast listener, enjoy 20% off current ticket rates with code PODCAST. Visit wsj.com slash f-o-e-f podcast to secure your spot. You're listening to Secrets of Wealthy Women from The Wall Street Journal. You had no training, really, in a jewelry business, but you started this jewelry empire. So I'm just wondering what you'd say to women who say, like, I want to be an entrepreneur, but I'm not an expert in the field, so I don't feel qualified or ready to start. You know, I think it's really important, one, you know, if you're excited about things, I love to learn from others. Um, I'm like, I still do. Uh, I have so many great mentors, people that I look up to and respect, and I'm not afraid to ask for help or ask questions. And I think a lot of women sometimes feel like they need to know all the answers. I think it's really important that you know that uh, I think the biggest sign of strength is when we can say, you know what, I don't know this, but I think you might. Would you mind helping me? Or, or what would you do if you were in my shoes today? Learning from those that you admire and look up to, I think, is an important thing for women who want to become entrepreneurs. You know, really listening and learning and being that sponge. Uh, you know, with jewelry, you know, I was curious about I wanted to do more. I started making jewelry in my hat store. And I didn't realize that the answer to my future was right there because the jewelry would sell out the day I'd put it in the case. And after I closed and was working for the magazine, customers were still calling me from the hat box. Veronica, they were not calling me for hats. They were calling me because they had bought a pair of earrings and they wanted a matching necklace or they wanted a pair of earrings for their girlfriend for her birthday. And I was having to still make jewelry and sell it because the customer was demanding it. And so I had to kind of look and go, huh. Maybe there is something here. And so I started taking more jewelry making classes from the local community college and from bead stores and, you know, just really kind of looking at the market and knowing what I wanted that I couldn't find. And I think with any successful business, if you really look at it, there's a white space. There's opportunity there. And if you can't find something you want, I bet there's a lot of other people that feel the same way. And that's how a lot of great businesses happen because they're filling a need that's out in the marketplace. You said you could have lost your business during the recession. So how do you know when to pivot a business? Sometimes it's a big, you know, it's a big punch in your gut that'll make you do it. I think for me, after the loss of the hat box, I started Kendra Scott. It started really taking off. Again, with this business, I didn't have the big plan. I was really a new mom. I wanted to be a present mom. I wanted to be there for this little kid. Uh, I wanted to do what I loved, which was fashion. And I wanted to do something good, which was, you know, kind of my three priorities in starting Kendra Scott. Never in a million zillion years thinking we were going to build a big jewelry empire. That was not the goal. It was more of I just wanted to provide for my family, do something I love and help my community. That would be great. Uh, and then it just started to take off. And, and we were selling wholesale only. So we were selling. We got into Nordstrom very early on. We're still uh, with Nordstrom and love them so much. Uh, they were my really first big account. And we were paying the bills and we were being safe. And, you know, we were growing, but not anything crazy. But it was, you know, a million to two million in revenue. You know, I was I was a single mom now. I had a one and three year old. Uh, and running my business, so I wanted to stay safe. Um, and I was doing this all on a line of credit and credit card debt. I had no investors. 
um, and through, you know, reinvesting with what we were making into the brand. And, you know, it was safe. And then this amazing thing happened, the recession. And, you know, when that hit, um, it hit hard. I mean, it hit fast and it hit hard. And all these stores, I mean, I was selling to hundreds of boutiques across the country. Many, I mean, sometimes 10 to 15 in a week would be closing, shuttering. And we, it was just every day we'd come into the office and it would be this account or that account was closing. An account that I had sold to a Texas account called Harold's, they started in 1910. They stores all over, catalog business, filed bankruptcy. We had just shipped them a $25,000 order. These wow. things will never go out of your mind. Oh. Um, it was devastating. And all of my eggs were in one basket. And I was 100% reliant on what my wholesale buyers were doing. And my focus was pleasing them when I realized my focus needs to be pleasing my customer and that I needed to have a direct conversation with her. I needed her to fall in love with our brand because if she demanded it, then no matter what happened in the marketplace, our business would be safe. And so that recession forced us to have to change our model. And it forced me to have to say, I'm going to focus on my consumer right now. And where I have, I can start to control our destiny. And that's really when the shift happened. So thank you to the recession. But I think a lot of businesses during these ups and downs in our economy and things that can happen, sometimes we need something forceful to happen, even in our personal lives. I mean, I've known you know women who've gone through terrible breakups, and it's like they have become their whole lives changed it in a positive, amazing way that they may have never known was possible. Um, because they were kind of in this pattern that it was just sometimes easier to stay there than leave. But then when something happens, it makes you realize, oh, my God, I mean, this whole world that I didn't realize is here. So, you know, in that time, I mean, I thought I was going to lose my business and we knew we had to radically change it if, if we were going to have a chance. And it was going to be a massive risk to do it. Yeah, because so many retailers are actually closing their stores left and right, but you decided to open. Yeah, you know, we, we went into Austin and, and literally in the place where we are in South Congress, which is the happening hippest place. If you walk in Austin now, I mean, it's packed, Very you know, cool. right? But at the time, there were many stores that had closed. Uh, and we went into a center that it was an old salon, so it had a retail space below. And then upstairs is where they had all the – that was where we made our offices. And so we would have to walk through the store to get up to our office space. And it really was so great for us because we used it as a laboratory. It, and that, again, it was like we didn't have plans to open hundreds of stores, but we wanted to engage with our customer. And it forced all eight of us at the time uh, to talk to her every single day and get to know what she loved, what she didn't like, what she wanted more of. And it was an incredible lesson. But then people started showing up. And not only did they show up, there were lines around the block. I mean, we were having, it was like a nightclub, like two people in, two people out. And we all kind of looked at each other and said, I think we're on to something. You said you were a single mom when you were launching this business. What's your advice to other single moms who are trying to be entrepreneurs but are just feeling so stretched? You know, I think we always, as moms and and, in any career that we have, whether we own our own businesses or not, it's always this tough balance. And we get asked that question a lot. I think some days you're going to do great at it. And then other days you're not. And I think it's okay to not beat yourself up and to just know that every day is an opportunity to try to be better than yesterday. Uh, you know, I have three children. My early, in the early days, my two little boys, I mean, they were with me all the time. I couldn't afford to have a lot of help. Um, and so they would come with me 
you know, if I went to New York to do market, I remember having my my oldest son, who's now 17, in the pack and play while I'm setting up wow. at market, and one of my girlfriends here watching him during the day while I was selling. I mean, I look back on those days, and now I think, how did I do that? Um, but then you you just do, and I everything I was doing, all I had to do is look at their little faces, and that was all that mattered to me. It's like I wanted to do this for them too. And I was able to build a company that put family first. Um, I'm a mom, I have now over 2,000 employees. Over 94% of them are women and many of them are young mothers. And they're able to balance those things and because they're in a company that supports that. And so I think that's what I'm most proud of is that you can have a successful career. You can be a mom. You just need to have the right infrastructure around you that supports that. How do you deal with the stress of having 2,000 employees, three kids, a marriage? I don't think of it as stress. Um, you know, I love what I do. I mean, Veronica, I wake up every morning. And honest to goodness, I cannot wait to go to work. Um, I love my Kendra Scott family. They are part of my family. Um, it is so exciting to see what we're building. And I think even more importantly, we have a, we're a company with purpose. You know, we, since 2010, have given $30 million uh, in-kind donations and monetary donations to over 10,000 women's and children's charities. So going back to Rob and doing good, I, that is my motivation. It's so exciting because not only are we building beautiful product, not only have we created an environment that is like all about family, we're really changing lives in a meaningful way. And we're taking the time that we have on this earth to make a mark. So I think for all of us, when you're doing that, when you have a life of purpose, and I think every great business or every successful person, they have to have purpose. And to me, it's not just to build a, a global empire. That's not really that exciting to me. What's exciting to me is seeing the major impact we're having in the world in a positive way. That's what I get excited about. Are you... You have this optimism, this energy. Is that normally how you are, or is that something you? Is that something you learned? I mean that in a very you know respectful and ad you know admiring way, you know, or is that something you? I, I don't know. There was just an interview I did with my mom for Mother's Day, yes. and my mom um, they asked to describe me, and she said Kendra has always been very outgoing, and um, I was always entertaining everybody, trying to make everybody laugh. Uh, I think you know, as a young girl, I was a little awkward. Um, my head was too big for my body. They used to call me bones in Aww, school. Man. I know, I know. But I had made up for it with personality. I was legally blind in my right eye, so I wore these really big, thick Coke bottle glasses. Um, and so it was kind of like the ugly duckling thing. Like I, I literally just had to entertain everybody <laughs> because I did. Sound like cute. <laughs> I don't know if cute would be the right word, but but I think you know I've I've had I've always been optimistic and um, and I think you know throughout my life, like I've always tried to be that person for the people in my life. Like if they're down, like I want to help cheer them up. And I think our brand evokes that joy is you know what we always say to our brand it's like it's joy it's yellow it's happy uh and i think a lot of that is reflective of like exactly who i am i want to be i'm a joyful person i i love people i love laughing i love having fun time now for your secrets i'm kendra scott and my money secret is starting early to invest for your children be sure to check out our ebook based on the Secrets podcast. WSJ subscribers can download their copy of Resilience How 20 Ambitious Women Use Obstacles to Fuel Their Success for free on WSJ.com today. 
This episode was produced by Tanya Bustos. I'm Veronica Dagger. Thanks for listening.